in a world where everyone is looking for your money up front, doesn't it just make sense to check out a podcast that's looking to give you something for free? Like the music for your content and free music for your film and videos? Look no further. It's the Tim Kulig Free Music Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tim Kulig Free Music Podcast, and I'm your host, Tim Kulig. This week, I have the very good pleasure of being able to bring to you an interview with a good friend and composer friend of mine, Alexander Nakarada. Alex is a very prolific composer like myself and Kevin McLeod in that he writes tons of music and offers it for free under Creative Commons for people to use with attribution. He is aggressively trying to build his catalog to a thousand, just like me and beyond. And I thought it'd be fun to interview him and understand a little bit better about his background, how he got started, what kind of influences he's had, and just basically an all-around, you know, promotion of a good friend of mine here. So without further ado, I give to you Alexander Nakarada. I just paid well, a guy on Fiverr 35 euros to make us an intro, like an animated uh, thing. Oh, very cool. So let's see how that turns out. You never know. Hey, if that turns out well, then I might tap the same dude for my stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Fiverr is genius. Yeah, for that price, that's that's freaking amazing. Yeah, like it, it turns out most of the world uh, are paid less than us. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's a good <laughs> price for them, or they're really fast and good at their jobs, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, when you do hundreds, if not thousands of little projects like that i'm yeah. sure it's like like Old oh man. yeah sure this is what you want i'm, I'm sure you'll like this yeah. and for the price you're not gonna you're not gonna squawk or if you do <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> Bye -bye. that's the weird that's the weird thing about those back and forths yeah. you know that's that's one of the things that like gets me a little skeevy about taking on like a low budget or no budget right. uh film sometimes it's like it's almost like there's a line that I want to draw where it's like, okay, at this price point or below, here's my catalog, use whatever you want <laughs> yeah. and just give me attribution, yeah. you know? Yeah. But at this price point or above, I'll play the back and forth game, but that's going to be limited too, because exactly. I mean, how many edits are right. fair? Right. You know, yeah. like what have you experienced with that? Like, I, like what kind of, what uh, kind of, pushback if you've gotten from stuff like that or or whatever so, you know like in nine out of ten cases or or uh, projects i do for people they're happy with the first draft yeah um if they're not happy with the first draft i try to convince them why, why they should be happy with the first draft <laughs> And usually that right. goes well. And in a very small percentage of cases, they're like kind of hard to deal with. Um, but I, I don't think I've experienced that ever. Okay. Do you? What do you attribute that to? Like, how do you how do you hit the mark ninety percent of the time? What 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 prep work do you do that makes that happen? Uh, I ask f for if they can name a song in my catalog that they like. Mm -hmm. So I use the same instrumentation, uh, maybe the same key. I just make it very similar to what they already like, but they want something okay. unique. So, I mean, 
it, it turns out different, but it's inspired by myself, kind of. Okay. So you're you're already you're already kind of in a win because they've they're already telling you what they want. Yeah. And then showing you an example that's not somebody else that you're ripping off. Right. Right. <laughs> so sometimes Which, they do that as well, like link me a very famous piece by Bach or whatever that they want yeah. stuff to sound like. Um if I feel like it's something I'm going to struggle to accomplish, I usually deny the whole thing. Okay. Like, yeah, I just tell them that I don't have time right now. Let's go through my catalog. I'm sure you will find something that you can use. Uh, but um, no, I mean, people when people reach out to you to uh, and wanting you to make music, they already like your style. So, I mean, they're already willing to pay you to do it. Right. So right. You, you just have to dig out the yourself from a hole and <laughs> here I am again. I have to do something in my own style. So I guess people are usually happy with that, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I've had my share of people looking for something and then you know they'll put in temp music and it could be anything. It could be something super famous or it could just be some I, I, I say no name, but like somebody I've never heard of before or some, some stock, stock audio or stock, stock music. And occasionally with those people, like they ultimately just want that song. Yeah. You know, they, they in so many words, they're asking you to do something, but then every edit you give them is basically them coming back to, well, I kind of just want that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I've gotten to the point where I actually will just say to somebody, look, if you like this, figure out how you can license it yeah. or figure out if you can use it with attribution. Like, forget me. You know what I mean? Like, you found the thing that does the thing for you. Like, who am I to tell you? <laughs> right. You know? Like, yeah. so, uh, you know, it, I think it's a little humbling because I think early on when you're writing music and you're trying to get into things and you're trying to get a book of experience and everything, yeah. you want to try and do everything. You're going to say yes right? to everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then ultimately, you, you know that um, on some levels, you're going to run into that, right? You're going to run into this weird thing where you're wasting some time or whatever. Yeah. Now it's like, I just absolutely like, I'll just do the, the best thing for the person or the client. And if yeah. that means me not doing it at all, that's fine too. Yeah, you know? it happens. Yeah. And sometimes yeah, just, that's like the kindest thing you can do to them. Just yeah. like, go do your thing. This yeah, here, I'm going to hold your hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they reached out to you for some reason. Usually, right. they have heard your music somewhere and they kind of like it. So they want to like have your your corruption. <laughs> <laughs> right, that right. Song. But I think I think people are generally not really how to put this they don't really care like exactly what it sounds like as as long as they're they feel like we have done something for them okay yeah because, i see what you're I saying mean, the catalog is big enough you could find all the things you want in the existing catalog and you would save money yeah so the reason why they reach out to you is kind of like they they want they want something from you. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, something unique. Yeah, something unique. Like, I want you to put your unique imprint yeah. on this project. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, all this other stuff you do is great. Yeah, right. But, <laughs> but I want you to do something for me. Yeah. Or at least the thing that you do for me, yeah. it's the first time anybody's ever heard it. Right. Right? Yeah. And it's, I, oh. I feel like most people reaching out to me to do custom things are either on my Patreon list or have been licensing music from my, from my website for a long time. Okay. So it's very few people that are Googling like custom composition and then my name pops up. I, none of right. this. That never happens. You already have an established yeah, relationship. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, usually it's people that have been licensing my music for free for years. And now suddenly they have a project where they actually have a budget. Yeah. And they want something from me for that. That's pretty cool. Because that means that you've built, you've built this rapport over time mm -hmm. by, by giving it away under Creative Commons and yeah. royalty free with attribution. And then down the road, they're like, Hey, you know what? I love Alex's stuff, and now I can afford to, yeah. you know, pay him yeah. something. So he's the first person I'm going to attack. Right. You know, is with this with this project. Yeah. You know, and it's like now, it's really cool as well seeing these names over and over, like year after year. You see these names, and suddenly they kind of made it. You know, they made yeah. something good that people like, and they're now actually making good money on it. Yeah. Like they started out using your free music, making like a very like bad indie game, and then like it's like watching your children grow. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> well, now I know um, um, same same but different. We've already established this, but for my audience on Tim Kulik Free Music Podcast, um, just for the sake of uh, drawing a line in the sand. Let's do introductions. Who is Alex Nakarada? Ooh. You know? I almost forgot. <laughs> uh, Norwegian royalty-free music composer. Um, I'm currently in the in the race with Tim for the biggest catalog. Nice. I think he is probably going <laughs> to go past me sometime really soon. Well, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> Aren't you... Didn't you pass 550? No, no, no. You did. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm at 502, 502. But, um, but I've got a very aggressive three-year schedule oh ahead of me God. that I'll share yeah, with you. You're definitely going to go past me. <laughs> um, I've had my music placed in everything, it feels like, especially now that I have some data on it. Um, but when did you get your start? Like, when did you really start putting things out on the internet? I think I was about 16, so okay. 15 years ago. Okay. That's when I started like recording bad covers, Metallica covers on my guitar and releasing them on YouTube. Nice. Uh, and then after a few years, maybe 17, I got my first external sound card, like the Zoom H4N. You know that one? Like the yes. journalist. I never had one. Thing. And like used the built-in effects and everything. And a couple of years later, I discovered MIDI. So mm -hmm. the guitar got back on the wall, and I bought myself a electric piano with a MIDI input. 
nice and started experimenting with all these samples and all the fun stuff what what was your first dog what, what did you use cubase for your... elements five i think okay so yeah good times <laughs> it came with the uh, came with the zoom <laughs> oh very nice oh yeah so it came yeah it's a software hardware combo package oh, kind yeah. of thing oh yeah yeah and it was the elements version which which is like the cheapest version with very limited features was that like a only so many tracks of yeah. audio or mini information yeah, yeah. that kind of thing because pro tools had a free version for the longest time mm. where you could run i think a total of eight tracks yeah i think maybe it was and and that's great for somebody that's recording from home, you know, that yeah. has not very complicated mixes, like, you know, and even if they did, you could always, you could always do multiple versions of a project mixed down to a stereo track and then have one track and then free up the other ones again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so but that also requires, it, that requires you to have a little more sophistication when it comes to mixing. You're not able to you know? do that yeah. when you're starting yeah. out. <laughs> No, <laughs> you no. do not know that. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I was probably lucky if I had three tracks in a song. Yeah, I was like huge. Like I didn't know quantizing. I didn't know like different file formats. Uh, nothing. So it was just like a rubble of chaos and badness. Do you use that function a lot? Do you do you quantize a lot of your tracks? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my like that's the first key i bind to like a easily accessible key on my keyboard yeah <laughs> like i do not want stuff to sound like natural <laughs> yeah like too much stuff yeah. happening for that i find i find myself gravitating towards that too there's it's very rare that i'll take a take without doing any adjustments to it just because whenever you pull in uh, like a MIDI drum loop or anything that's very fixed, like a uh, a patch with an envelope in it mm -hmm. that has very distinct cutoffs. Yeah. Anytime that those hits are just slightly off, it's a complete like the end user probably will never notice it. No, but in the studio, I'm gonna notice it. Or when I'm doing a review, like a, a semi finished review mm -hmm. on a run or in my car driving someplace. I'll just be listening to it, and I'll literally like, I don't know. I have this like Tourette's yeah, tick yeah, where I'm like, like, OCD, ah! I'm like, like something is wrong. Like, I must fix that. And I think so that's especially important for us as well. That we're making music for visual content usually. Mm -hmm. So I mean, if you're listening to your favorite band on a uh, on Spotify, it, it sounds natural in a way. But once you put the audio to video. The audio can't be doing that. The audio right. has to be clean, so it doesn't like steal too much attention from the from the thing you're scoring. Right, right. That's a, that's my excuses, at least. Yeah, mine too. Mine too. And I'm not the perfect player, you know. My uh, my uh, history and of you know formal training is very limited. Mm -hmm. For like a two year period, maybe three, I had like traditional lessons yeah and that just basically taught me how to read sheet music right like i really exploded when i started doing ear training and learning things from a cd yeah. in, in a high school rock band yeah. you know um 
what's your background like what like like as far as the formal training nothing i did i had piano lessons for like two weeks when i was a kid okay uh this is well before you started to do stuff in in your teens oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay like, I, I basically had no musical training whatsoever i just experimented i while everyone else was at a party or playing games or whatever i was just sitting in my studio little shitty studio setup and playing with the daw that's awesome so yeah that's awesome. I, I mean i have been blessed with a good ear for music that's that's yeah i guess that's why what brought me here i that's have great no theoretical learning whatsoever i cannot read sheet music that's like, mm -hmm. that's, that's a different language yeah so yeah, yeah. It, so it's a lot of air, air training. Yeah. No tablature either. Like you never went the tab route or, um, I, I mean, traditional language or traditional sheet music rather is, is for me very similar at this point. I've been so far away from it for so long mm -hmm. that I would have to sit there. It's kind of like a foreign language, like, like saying it out loud, yeah. um, or, or listening to it more than saying it out loud. Uh, I can speak Spanish decently enough for a Spanish speaking person to hear, understand me. Yeah. But then when they speak it back to me, I am so busy uh, interpreting and <laughs> interpreting dialect that it slows down to like a 10th of what I can say to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same thing goes with reading a piece of sheet music. I have to sit there and think, okay, that's a rest, blah, blah. That's just what it's going right. to sound like. Whereas if I just think it in my head, oh, I could just, I can just perform that. Like, right. you know, yeah. like it, that's just natural to me. You know, I used but, to read tablature for guitars. Okay. But, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd rather learn the solo by ear and play it a bit shittier than the original mm -hmm. than spending hours and hours like analyzing tablature. Yeah. Like I, I've always been like the biggest endorphin rush I can get is like doing something on my own. Yeah. That's when I shine, I think. Yeah, and and when you're if you're going to do a cover or emulate something that you appreciate and you enjoy about somebody else's work, it naturally should gravitate towards your interpretation, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going to enjoy playing it, so what if you missed a couple of notes in the solo? It's it's your interpretation of it and you're enjoying it and you're grooving on it. Right. So um to me that's like the ultimate form of flattery of somebody else's me like, Oh yeah, you enjoyed it. And you'd so like, I like that part of the solo that you, I, ne I never played it like that. Right. You know, like, and then you play this back and forth yeah. that, yeah. you know, if somebody actually hears you do it, you know, if it's somebody, you know, Way um, funnier. <laughs> um, so you create music and give it away under creative commons. Like I do, like Kevin McLeod yes. does. What drew you to that initially? Kevin like McLeod. what? It, it ultimately him. Yeah, he, ultimately he him. drew me to that. I didn't even know that okay. was a thing. Okay, how long ago was that? Ten years ago, maybe. Okay, so you'd already established, um, you know, four or five years of putting stuff out there and putting things on a YouTube channel, and you were just getting into the DAW. It sounds like because that's around the time that you picked up. Yeah. The so, computer-based stuff, right? I mean, I would say I, I 
produced music properly maybe for two or three years mm -hmm. but i actually knew like i still have those pieces out there because they're they're good enough mm -hmm. um, right <laughs> and then i did what everyone did like how do i get my music on spotify how do i get like famous how do i get a million plays on this song right and turns right. out that's very close to impossible <laughs> So uh, I I quit my job um, to work for a local theater, uh, making music for their shows. And okay. like I already had a mortgage, I had a down payment on my car. I had like, yeah. So I was uh, financially bound to making money somehow. Right. But then the theater gig just went south because it like bad, very bad conditions. Okay. So I just sent out hundreds of emails to names I've seen online. And yeah, Kevin responded and um, invited me to like this composer hangout we had back in the day mm -hmm. with uh, Raphael from the UK. Um, and we started talking and he said the whole thing about free music and I mean, it made a lot more sense because I was, I was never eager to be one of the, like marketing myself and like doing events and like getting myself out there. I, I just wanted to like sit indoors and make music. Yeah. And, uh. Yeah, you can't combine that with becoming like a number one uh, hit kind of dude. <laughs> hey, those those people, they've got a giant marketing team behind them yeah. and millions of dollars. Yeah. You know, I, I, I use this one. When I first moved to Florida about 10 years ago, Miley Cyrus had like a single coming out and it was blasted on billboards all over the Tampa Bay area, yeah. right? Like to a level, Alex, that I was like, there are millions of dollars going into this campaign. I, there's no way that she is not going to, that this single isn't going to go triple platinum or whatever right. is the, the, the line now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. without physical, but there's still physical media, but it's not emphasized like it was 20 years ago. Hmm. So I, uh, I, I'm still trying to understand what those benchmarks are for people nowadays because I, I just don't know how relevant they are anymore. It's just it's it's crazy. It's I don't know how a traditional musician makes the kind of money that they make I, without they're, endorsements they're or without touring. Yeah. You know, there's some sort of they're a product. product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more than just music, and I see that especially in Norway. Like we have probably hundreds of reality TV shows and mm -hmm. they basically just invite celebrities to compete in different things. It's like the masked singer, like you have in the U S yeah. Like a bunch yeah. of famous people behind a mask. And I think most celebrities and musicians actually make a living from like TV exposure these days. Yeah. And less from what they're actually known for. But then, of course, you have the like 
like Taylor Swift and Rihanna and those people who will sell out stadiums no matter where yeah. they go. And of course, they will always make good money on that. But it blows me away yeah. that, like, the arena people, right? I, I think back to like, and I'm sure you can appreciate and resonate with this. Like, I think back to the big hair bands of like the '80s and the metal bands and the new metal that came out of the '90s. Like, some of these bands would fill like football stadiums. It's insane. And it would be a multi-band event, you know, several bands one day, like a Lollapalooza type of thing or whatever, like, but, but like, you know, that, and then you see, you see this peak and valley with some of these folks and how, then they go back to playing these, these smaller venues. And you're just like, how, how does that happen? How does, how does that, like, like, did you run out of things to say? Right. Like, did, did you like what does that, you know, because there's some bands like the Rolling Stones, they they have been a 40, 50 year band. Right. That's just had a following that that doesn't go away. Right. They, there's just this huge following. They have this huge venue for the whole time of their career. Yeah. Then you got some of these hair bands that they're they're just grateful that anybody's still showing up. Yeah. Right. It just. It's bizarre to me how strange how that how that works, right? It, it, what does that mean? Does that mean their message was only temporarily relevant and they didn't grow at the time? Like what what happened? I I I think it's like a marketing issue again. Yeah. Like the Rolling Stones are their music is going to live way longer than they are. Mhm. Mm but I think the like they did something in in the transition to the internet and stuff like that, that kind of kept them alive. I don't think everyone did that. Like it's, it kind of feels like bands are dying. <laughs> like there are very <laughs> few new, like big bands. What What's the latest metal band that you're, that you're excited about? That's like newer metal. I mean, there are bands like uh, like Lorna Shore, uh, like Slaughter to Prevail, all these like deathcore bands that are okay. doing well, but they're not going to last forever. I think um, just because like their 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 target group are young people who will get tired of stuff eventually, right? Like everyone's right. just scrolling to the next video and like finding new interests, finding new uh, communities to hang out in, and uh, like the stuff is changing really fast. Yeah, I find that there were there's a core group of metal that resonated with me, like in the '80s that drew into the '90s, and. And those bands like System of a Down, Corn, um, uh, Lamb of God, you know, like those bands resonated with me and they still resonate with me to this day. But then there's some of this new metal that's come out. And I want to, to some degree, some of them, I could listen to six of them in a row. And they all have very similar qualities. And I don't feel like they're telling me a new story. Right. Which I'm not judging their art or their 
ability to perform. I'm sure they're an awesome show and the music is good. You know, I just, I think what I resonate with and what, what makes me excited about music and about creating about the art of creating music is hearing something I've never heard before or hearing a combo of things that I've heard before in a different way that I'm like, Oh wow. I've never heard somebody do this. Mm -hmm. This is exciting to me. I want to hear more of that. Yeah. I don't hear that as much anymore. And I know partially why I think a lot of people that are doing things the traditional way, they're afraid to take a chance or take a risk because listen, you're putting all this time, energy and, and devotion into something you, you need a payday. This is this, you're all in with this. You don't have some side gig that's paying you the paying the bills or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they have to do something that's safe. Same thing happens with the movie industry. That's why we have these cookie cutter movies from Hollywood and, you know, 10, 20 movies a year are what resonate with the audience because they're safe. Yeah. You know, nobody's taken big chances or anything, you know, with, with a few rare exceptions. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you can see what happens to bands that take chances. Like, mm. uh, like when Metallica released uh, St. Anger mm. and like the entire fan base just hated it. Yeah. Because this is not Metallica for me. This is not right. how it should sound. Well, the Black Album did that for some people. Because yeah, I know. They I know. They went from it just, and I can honestly say, to a very um, a mild degree, I was one of those people because I was a huge Injustice for All fan, and then the Black Album went to some more traditional, standard rock roots, yeah. and it exploded their fan base yeah. because now it resonated with people that weren't into speed metal, right? right? And and they started selling out you know, amphitheaters and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and they, they it just was grew their fan base. A lot of people hated yeah. it, but it still grew. Yeah. But I also didn't like the really early stuff either. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't really like kill them all. Like I just, I, like that was very raw yeah. and um, not as well produced in my, in my mind's eye or whatever. And somebody could be like, the hell with you. <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah, all pissed think, up. Like, you know, I didn't so, like kill them all. At first, either, but yeah. then I became a Metallica fan, and then I liked Kill 'Em All. Yeah, for some reason. Yeah. Well, you listened to were you? Were you a core or are you a Corn fan? Do you like that? Um, I'm not. Yes, no, 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 not really. Not really. Okay, their early stuff. Um, that their their uh, title release. You know, um, I think it's got a kid with a on a swing set or something on the on the cover of it. Mm -hmm. That was super raw and super different, and that super resonated with me. Yeah. But then you go about four or five albums in, and I've I've seen them perform multiple times. I saw them like probably six times in my lifetime, and I saw them with their first album release, and them being an opening band, and the crowd just going nuts. Like they opened for a Danzig show, right? And <laughs> <laughs> it was it was corn. Marilyn Manson and Danzig. Jesus. And this, this, this was in New Britain, Connecticut, in this like hole in the wall place. Um, uh, it was called The Sting. I don't even think it exists anymore. But it was a standing room only club, right? Where you literally like the 
first come, first serve, you get close to the stage and you stand there, you're going to bruise your entire waist because yeah. <laughs> you're getting pushed into that stage. Yeah. Um, but uh, they, between them and Marilyn Manson were amazing at that show. Danzig was like, not that I don't dislike Danzig, but it was like, uh, I don't know, it was like a... a it, it they didn't seem to mesh. I was like, "Why are you opening these two yeah. other two bands? Open they're they're monsters right now." And then Danzig is the headliner, and it was kind of like, I don't know, anticlimactic when he came on stage, you know. Yeah. But I mean, I, the whole room was jumping to Corn, and and like it just there was so much energy. And then you know, fast forward to a show I saw like six albums in, and everything got very very corporate you know now there's a lot of money behind him and everything and the music changed and then then i started like getting away from them because of like because like that original feeling that original sound yeah which is so cool it was just like wow there's something you got something going on here what is this you know but i think i mean people change as well so it's true i mean i still like listening to things that i listen to when I was 14, but I think I like listening to it now because I resonate with the feeling I had when I was 14. Right. I would never pick up that band today. But, uh, I mean, it, it's very clear that today bands that you, like, get far, they're usually it's like one of their members get famous on YouTube and then people start listening to their band. Like people don't discover bands the same way anymore, like we used to back in the day. It's like picking up a CD from the local CD shop and uh, listening to it and right. It. So I mean, all these like the sound has changed completely. So everyone now can get a good sounding record out. Like, yeah, right from their own house. Exactly. You know, so back in the like, day, that that cost you like investments to actually get a good sounding song out there. Yeah, thousands of dollars an album. Exactly. Easily. Yeah. Easily. So, I mean, that's just not the way it works anymore. And I mean, that's kind of good because you uh, can find very very talented people just by browsing the internet. But at the same time, there's there are so many. Mm. It's like an overflow, and it's like hard picking one of them to stay loyal to. Like, right? You don't do that anymore. But it's like most of them, most of them have that that um, which we'll call that paywall <laughs> for you to get either that or it's it's on a streaming platform like Spotify or something yeah. like that. Um, but if you want if you want a full experience with some of these folks, there's a paywall associated with it. Um, how, how is giving it away for you? How has that affected your catalog and, and your note, like, like you being known, you know, and what are some of the crazy things that happened to you by simply giving it like, what are some things you're like, my God, I can't believe that this is happening with me and I'm giving it away. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> It's a tough question because I don't really know. But the the thing you don't have to worry about when you give it away for free is marketing yourself. Mm. Like the same way you would. Because people do that for you. Like that's their payments. Right. Including your name. 
And, yeah, because uh, whenever they use it, they're giving you attribution. And if they are consistently using your catalog, then every time they post a video or every time they do a meme or every time they do a yeah. TikTok, your name is flowing through that process, yeah. right? And I mean, that's just how the internet works, it seems like, is the more mentions your name has, the more gigs you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, it's just like the algorithm on all these different platforms are just so different that once you start publishing things on the internet, one platform might go super well and the, the other one is nothing. Even though this, that platform might, might have the same people on it. Right. It's just like this platform decides to push you forward and this one doesn't. That's why I think it's very important for people to be on as many platforms as they're, they can handle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the challenge there, right, is people trying to game the system. So people figure out what the algorithm is and then they start pivoting their content to maximize the effect of their content through the algorithm. Mm -hmm. And then the various platforms realize like, okay, this isn't ultimately getting our audience the value that we want them to have. So now we're going to twist the algorithm to a way that we get quality content and not just a volume of content yeah. for people because people are getting frustrated with what's getting flown through to their feed, right? And the issue with that is that you constantly have to pivot to provide the service that you want to provide, right? Like we want to, we as Creative Commons composers want to get it into as many people's hands as possible. And the challenge is, it's like, you just, I just want to focus on writing and not all this administrative, but like the administration changes. Like yeah. you just, you look away for 10 minutes and you're like, oh shit, what, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? it's, it's, it's very frustrating. Annoying. But I mean, if that's your yeah. gig, then good for you. If you're uh, like good at understanding how stuff works on the internet, that's, that's good for you. I mean, if you make a video about punching a barrel with a knife, that, mm. that's your content. Uh, if you're really good at the internet, <laughs> you can make that work. <laughs> right. It's like some people are just very good at things. Some people are yeah. good at making money. I mean, no, they do it in a bunch of different ways. I, I, I would never even occur to me to do it. But I mean, people, people are extremely talented. And uh, if that gets you if that pays your bills, then, then good for you. I mean, yeah. even though I think your content is absolutely terrible and there are very, <laughs> there, there's absolutely no work behind it. If you make it work, then kudos. I mean, yeah. that's respect for, for doing that. Yeah. I've always felt like when creating content or deciding what content to put out, one of the barriers for me has always been this weird inner dialogue of, okay, I'm making this video and am I, am I being inauthentic? You know, am I, am I just trying to, you know, ride a wave or am I just, you know, am I just trying to gain the system myself? And ultimately I'm trying to, I'm trying to 
entertain an audience while still providing the music mm-hmm. and kind of wrap the whole thing around some entertainment thing. And I probably should just not worry about any of that yeah. inner dialogue. And just, if it's, if it's fun, just do it. Yeah. Right. Just, just do it for the sake of doing it because you like it and it's fun. Yeah. Uh, a, a particular example of that was um, I stumbled down that rabbit hole of back rooms on YouTube. And it's, I don't, if you're not familiar with the, the subgenre, it's like images of like empty luminal spaces, like that, that kind of stuff, like where it's like basements or like rooms that have nothing in it or barely anything in it, like minimal stuff, low lighting, all that. And it was around Halloween this past year. And I'm like, Oh, I've always liked this concept. And I had written this tune that lended itself to image changes because of the way that the, the drops happened in the song. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to go into mid journey and I'm going to generate like 30 images and like drop into those images and like create this video. And I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun making it. And I thought it was cool and mysterious and creepy and eerie and kind of celebrated like this, my horror genre, which I'm very, you know, very much is what I gravitate towards. (laughs) And, you know, it resonated a little bit with my audience, but I'm like, first of all, I don't have a huge following on YouTube anyway, but I'm like, I like doing that. I have fun doing that. You know, I I think in that will have an effect on your viewership as well because it's like yeah. sometimes it feels almost as if your audience can feel that you had fun doing it yeah and they respect that and they like the like it they like this being authentic but it, now what do you yeah what are your favorite genres like what 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 oh, do you usually metal, write in metal easy yeah yeah <laughs> But I mean, that's not. I I would say the main genre for me to compose in for like my my business and my followers. Uh, that's mm. either like fantasy music, like medieval, Celtic stuff like that. I yeah, mean, I, those eras are not fantasy, but they they go hand in hand. They lend themselves reason. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that's like. 80% of my audience and then 20% of my audience are there exclusively for the for the metal stuff. And then you have combo. You have Celtic oh, yeah. that has oh, the yeah. metal stuff in it, which I love. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> shit. What, like, I, that, it's rare. Sometimes that just comes to me. and But it's... When you sit down in the studio, that's one of the hardest genres for me to compose if I'm not like in the mood for it. Oh really? Yeah, I can't force that. That just like happens maybe twice a year. No kidding. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I fall into these patterns where I I either have not enough running ideas or too many. Mm-hmm. And when I, I almost feel like too many creates this this higher level of indecision because it's like, okay there's 15 ideas in say like lo-fi I've got going right now. Um, and my typical minimum for an album is eight songs. So I'm like, there's plenty there. I could, I could take eight of those and finish them up and master them and finish it this week, blah, blah. But then 
But if there's too many decisions to make, like that's that's why I, I wrote this three year thing where I'm like, okay, I've got these genres yeah. I want to work on, and so many iterations of it, and then I'll just I'll schedule it out like on a micro level, yeah. on a monthly basis, weekly basis, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, do you have a specific way that you that you generate ideas, or do you just go with the flow and just sit down? consistently and usually right. like if i try to force it nothing comes out ever mm. that's that's the worst thing but i usually every single time i go to bed um something just pops up in my head and if i'm smart i whistle that melody into my recording app on the phone okay and then i produce <laughs> it the day after uh sometimes i think like oh my god this melody is so good i'm definitely gonna remember this in the morning but and then never do yeah right it's, it's gone i was just gonna you, you started off you're like like often when i go to bed i get this thing on my head and then my brain immediately went as you were talking like and then you don't go to bed because <laughs> <laughs> because it would drive me freaking nuts I to know. have this idea like, and i'm I, like I'm no i'm a really hard time getting getting out of bed if i first go to bed so I have to do the whistle thing. And sometimes I release that raw whistle audio to my patrons. Like, here's where the idea came from. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, they that's a that. great idea. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so bad. It's like, I have to be quiet because my wife is sleeping next to me. So if like, I'm suddenly in bed whistling a melody, she's going to kick me in the ass. But <laughs> I have these bad recordings on my phone. But I was going to say about the thing you said about too many ideas, I feel yeah. the exact same way because right now I have probably 15 uh, projects on my, my, in my studio where it's just like eight bars of fucking awesome songs. It's like right. the best melody I've ever written. I, I can't get past the eight bars. It's just like I, I record this thing I have in my head and then I just get demoralized thinking that oh, I'll have to make a whole song out of this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I found um, regularly going back and taking, a taking time to listen to things that I've dropped into Logic like one day a week just going back and reviewing and, and like deciding if I'm going to jump into something or work on it or yeah. not. I've had stuff, some of my favorite stuff I've written has sat on my drive for like six months to a year. I've come back to it and I didn't know how to continue it on from that initial idea. Yep. And then when I developed it from there beyond when it was time, I was like, holy shit, this yeah. is, where'd this come from? <laughs> and weird, it, it wasn't there a year ago. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it was like, wow this is amazing yeah um that's that's the thing i want I, I try to do with everything i create as much as possible like some stuff is just is really um it really is just functional you know like i know people need x yeah so i'm creating x yeah and is it enjoyable sure is it my favorite style no but it does the work it does the thing yeah. and Again, you never know what people are going to like, man. You know, you just, your job is to make. Yeah. And make, produce, get out there. And, and also, that's one of the things I find the most 
rewarding as well is seeing something I made have a success. Mm. So if I post, like, that's how I got into the whole Celtic stuff. I, I made something that, like, it came straight from the heart. I had no inspiration. It was just, like, a bunch of harp and, like, big string sections and stuff like that. Right. And suddenly that song just blew up on the internet. And at that point, I think I made an album for, like, with similar songs in two or three days. <laughs> like, the feeling I, feeling I got when people just commented, like, this is amazing. Like, it just gave me so much motivation to continue doing that. So I, I kind of thrive on people's approval <laughs> i don't know <laughs> childhood trauma i don't know something yeah. like that well, I, I guess well how else are we supposed like in this era how else are we supposed to resonate with our audience without having at least a small like a finger on the pulse of what resonates with them yeah i have no idea and then and, and, you know i mean i that absolutely makes sense to me yeah and and i get it i get a charge out of regularly going out and doing YouTube searches on, you know, people using my music and seeing the way that they've added visuals to the music that I had. And oftentimes they'll take something I did for like a horror album or even like, like a glitch or like a, like an electronic album yeah. and they'll use it in a way I never thought somebody would use the music. That's cool. And I'll watch it and I'm like, Oh, this is an interesting way of juxtaposing my music against yeah. visuals, you know? And man, the responses you get from people from just it's like having gratitude for using the music, that to me is probably one of the best dopamine hits yeah. you can get yeah, for doing what we do. That's the best payment. Yeah. Like seeing the appreciation yeah. in people. Hey, money's nice too, but... <laughs> It's important, but, but I, I think this is why you're going to succeed in the music industry way faster than well, I do is because like you, you have this interest in understanding how the world works and you do like proper research, you're scheduled, you have like a, like a three year schedule. I don't even have a two day schedule, you know, I like, I, 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 I just can't do it. I'm, I'm the most unstructured moron in the world well you're very generous alex <laughs> but it's it's an idea right it's an idea on my wall that may become the bane of my existence yep. or it may be the motivation yeah you know or both but depending upon the day something. <laughs> and that's well, I, uh, I i just i like I, I, this is have this have been my thing which is probably why it's taken me so long to get to the point i am uh, today it's just like formalities and like corporate bullshit like all the, the all the the business part of becoming a mm. musician i just find it so boring like i just want to make music that's all i want to do or at <laughs> least it's been for the past 10 years yeah so like understanding how the internet works no interest whatsoever yeah, I just want to divide my games into fifty percent playing video games, fifty percent making music. <laughs> That's all I want to do. The rest I want to sleep, eat, and 
shit. That's it. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> I I had to like for years I had to pivot and do the other kind of work for my livelihood, you know? So so my art was always secondary and it really started to ramp up in the 2000s. I started to do a bunch of independent films with my best friend Tom Seymour and it really started ramping up around 2010 when we shot a feature length narrative mm-hmm. called Mark of the Beast and um I was executive producer on it and you know I had done a couple of scores for movies with him and then we got into this whole documentary series about um uh what's what is it uh physical media like um independent film or or cult films and the decline of physical media and all that stuff I had I did on the side while I had like a normal yeah I would say normal but like a, a traditional you know corporate day-to-day yeah. job yeah you know earning all the money I need yeah. to be able to fund the stuff I want to do exactly you know and all my equipment and yep. you know all the software synthesizers and stuff like that. Now it's like uh ever since I started publishing, it's it's an addiction. I don't have any problem admitting to having and I don't ever want to give it up. Same. It's just like I wanna go, 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 go. Like, you know, I I hit a wall fourth quarter last year where I really struggled to breach 500 and I had to sit down with myself a couple times, Alex, and be like, what's my problem? What is going like? I've been, I was at like just under 300 June. Jeez. And then I, right. And then I, and then I went to 486, I think it was in like October. What? And then I, who are you? I, <laughs> and then I couldn't move. I couldn't move. And it was like I was sabotaging myself from breaking that. Like, what are you afraid of? Break 500. Let's go. Yeah. You know? And it's it was weird. It was it was really weird because I know like Alex, I had I had a bunch of stuff I hadn't finished yet. There's no reason I couldn't just sit down and just like groove on it and figure it out and get it out there. Like yeah. good enough, good enough, good enough. Boom. Get it out there. Let people use it. Um that it's weird that is the best example i've heard of a creative burnout because <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot that, in a very short period of time you that, know my friend is a creative burnout <laughs> yeah i know that's a psychologist but that's what it is 100 percent. so the way i got through it was in december i said okay i don't care what I have to do, I'm going to get up and I'm going to get through two more compilations of, of songs, breach that 500 mark. And then I don't have to publish anything until after the middle of the next, of the next month and the first of the year, you know what I mean? And, uh, and once I established that line in the sand, it was like smooth sail. It was like, okay, I can finish this, 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 this. Yeah. And there was something psychologically that wouldn't let me breach that number Jesus. and and now it's done and now i'm now i'm like yeah. okay <laughs> what are we gonna do in 2024 yeah let's do it let's do it that's um, uh that's very impressive <laughs> that is not okay <laughs> but are there any 
yeah. styles you dislike? Like, are, are there things that you'll never write in? I don't like making lo-fi. Really? Yeah. I, I did it. I made one song and I was kind of happy with it, but uh, I didn't like making it. But what about the what about the style? Didn't you didn't resonate with you? Like, what didn't you like? It's too laid back. It's not enough like epic melodies and stuff like that. I really okay. like melodies and harmonies. Yeah. I'm I'm a sucker for it. Well, with a metal background and you gravitating towards that, I imagine a lot of the stuff that you create needs to be, at the very least, mid-level energy, if not high-level energy, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, like it, it's important to say it's melodic metal. That's my, that's like my jam. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of Finnish bands and bands that like have this whole medieval theme mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of like uh, war sound samples in the beginning of their song before everything just goes to hell yeah so yeah yeah for me the song needs to have either very beautiful melodies or just like a fucking deadly rhythm one of the two <laughs> like i i can i can enjoy both so you must be a big prog rock fan right like are you a big dream theater fan like, do you like? I am actually not, but I okay. do respect them highly okay. as musicians. They're extremely talented, but the, it, it just doesn't resonate with me. But Tool, yeah. on the other hand, mm -hmm. that is like mm -hmm. uh, that's ten out of ten. Like everything yeah. they have ever made, that is actually music and not just like sound samples for ten minutes. Oh right, like they're in between tunes or like yeah. like on. Uh, uh, Anima has a couple of, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to call them throwaway, but like they're, they're Just like album fillers. Ex they're experiences, yeah. right? They're like these, these strange experiences yeah. to it's, be had. It's just like, uh, it's probably sick if you're high on acid or something <laughs> like that, but for me, not that much, but it's like, we're not advocating that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your, um, fair inoculum, the latest album. Yeah. They had like uh every other song was just like a three minute intermission with right thing. But every song on that album was more than ten minutes long. Yeah. So in fact one of them was written uh using the number sequence uh, uh Fibonacci. What was it? Yeah, the Fibonacci Fibonacci sequence, right? That's not on that album, I think. Oh, it's on a different one? Yeah, that's uh, I think think it's either lateralis or uh, vicarious on one of the old i think you're right yeah i think you're right but uh like all the songs that i love on the new album are longer than 10 minutes so mm -hmm. all the like two or three minute songs in yeah quotation mark uh in in between it's just like sure it's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. But I'm not going <laughs> to favorite these ones. But well, it's yeah. almost like it's almost like those those albums are written in a way like I was a big Queensryche fan mm -hmm. back in the day and I particularly resonated with their concept albums cuz I liked 
the fact that all the songs wrapped around a central theme and story. Yeah. Right. And not for everything. Right. Like I, I couldn't handle 12 bands I was into that did all that, but like resonating with one or two bands that like, that's their thing yeah. that like they tell a full story. Like even, uh, uh, I think my chemical romance, like one of their albums was a complete concept album. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it all resonated around like some central theme or some story. And I just think that's kind of cool because I mean, every song tells a story, even if it's just sonically. Yeah. But uh, when you, when you add lyrics and, you know, like a real story behind everything, like I, I watched, I, I saw Queensryche live and they decided like extemporaneously at that concert, they're like, you know what? We're playing the whole mind crime album tonight and boom the whole thing front to back they played and it was amazing with all the visuals and and just it was just amazing absolutely amazing like you you're like having this long sonic experience you know and it's like very cool provoking some feelings in you at least it does with me Mm -hmm. that's why i've never understood like why the vocalist is like the front figure of a band that's never been the thing for me. Like, for me, well, Maynard, Maynard doesn't like he'll he'll take a lesser position. Yeah. Like that's interesting for in uh, a perfect circle. I've seen that that band multiple times, and he'll actually be at the back end of the stage Same. with low lighting. Yeah, because he's like, I'm just another instrument. Yeah, exactly. Like, I am not who everybody should be gravitating to. I'm not this grandiose thing. I'm just, I'm doing a part here. Yeah. You know, I always found found that to be really cool about that guy. I, I love him for that. And that's exactly maybe why I do respect that band so much. Mm -hmm. So I, I like, I value his instrument at the same level as I value the guitar and the bass and drums. Yeah. Yeah. And Danny's drums are just, Oh oh my God. You know, it's like 65 or something. That's crazy. He's so good. He's so good. And he's like doing all this good stuff where he shows up at a school playing this pink drum set. And it's like for the darkness in that music, these guys seem very, very nice, like nice people. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be a fun group to, to... That'd be a good bucket list group oh, yeah. band yeah, to meet. Have them on the show one. You know? like, yeah, absolutely. Some, I mean, some questions. there are three major, you know, between a perfect circle, Pussifer and, and uh tool. Like they're constantly making something. And, and, and like a lot of them, like there's some of the, I mean, Maynard's in all of them, Yeah. but um, I think some of the other musicians are in. I think the guitarist bands is, least in two of them yeah i'm not sure and all that music is a little different yeah but i resonate with all of it oh yeah i just i just i just find it very creative and very inspiring yeah what are you most proud of like what what have you done that's made you the most proud as it stands right i know that's going to change in time obviously but as of today like what 2024 the most clout no, no. What What are you just most proud? It doesn't matter if it didn't. Like, what are you most proud of making? Like, what are you, what are you most proud of? I would say that is my 
metal album, Psychotic. Okay. Okay. Uh, that is. I'll have to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, that is actually like, I can go back to listening to that album and think, where was I <laughs> making this? Why? What was my mindset making this? Um, I I would never be able to recreate that. All the other stuff I made is recreatable at some level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think this is. I don't know why. It's it's just like it, it just came to me uh, at a very very good time. I think, and uh, I'm super proud of it. And I I like the like semi shitty sound it has because mixing metal is terribly hard. <laughs> but yeah, I just um, just enjoyed making it, and I enjoy listening to it to this day. Yeah. That's another thing. We've had this conversation in other spaces and off camera, but that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize. I think about me, they, you'll definitely reiterate this because we've said this to each other before, but I'll go back and listen to my own stuff because I enjoyed what I created, but I also like to assess where I where I have been, where I am, and where I want to be. And to what you said earlier, I've gone back and listened to some stuff that I've made so far. And I mean, even though it's only been a few years on some of the things, I go back to it and I'm like, oh, I forgot about this song. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where the hell did this come from? Yeah. Like, I don't even like th- some of the songs I go back to and I'll, I'll hear on YouTube or something and I'll be like, wait, I think that's mine. Yep, that happens. <laughs> I gotta go back, and I'm like, "Holy shit, that's me! That's right, I did make that." Okay, that's when you know that you've like gotten to a point where you have a body of work that you're like, uh, yeah. "Oh, I have to be reminded." Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, it happens all the time now, and uh, it's so weird. It's such a weird feeling. Yeah. But I, I think, like. Mainly, I make music to have something to listen to in the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that was like my ideal world. It's like, because I, I, if I like something, I just play it over and over and over until I'm sick of it. And then I need yeah. something new. So after I listened to Fair Inoculum by Tool in the car for, yeah, maybe 20 times. Yeah. I was like, oh, I need more like this. But, I mean, I can't ask them to make a new one. So (laughs) I will have to make something myself that gives me the same feeling. So that's, that's like, my motivation to make more stuff. It's just I I need more to listen to. And I I, I don't think it's weird for a composer to listen to his own music. I think that's, like, why would you make something you don't like listening to? Yeah, that's kind of counterintuitive right yeah exactly. i mean so why isn't james hetfield blasting and justice for all in the car <laughs> <laughs> i mean i certainly did yeah. <laughs> many years of my life yeah. you know it's like, it, that's my my best drive ever has been to like that album why doesn't he do it but uh, <laughs> it's hard I, I i don't i don't know why it's like that but 
I just yeah. I, I enjoy my music. That's that's why I made it. So let's like rewind twenty years, right? Well, that's might be too far, but like fifteen. Okay. If you had to start over, all over again, what would you do differently? Ouch. Knowing what you know now. I'll add that I in. I think that <laughs> since, yeah, since <laughs> everything I know is self-taught in some way, mm -hmm. I guess I would just want to learn more before I started publishing. Okay. Uh because when you when you're self-taught the the learning curve is not very steep mm. it's very gradual uphill yeah and it's that one percent rule going on all the time yeah. right like you you're constantly just okay i didn't get much done in the writing or creative space today but i learned these new tools yeah right or I've touched I've touched the surface of these new tools. I know what this is going to do for me in six months to a year. Yeah, and and that that pushes you closer to your goal. Exactly. Right. And uh, I guess I would probably quit school sooner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop wasting my time with stupid stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, I I, I don't really regret anything because I I don't know any options to what i've done I've, I've just done what i felt like my entire life to some extent that's, of course that's incredibly uh inspiring because cool most people do what they think they should be doing yeah most of their lives and, and then they turn 60 years old <laughs> and they're full of this mountain of regret yeah that's like oh fuck i don't have much time left yeah. there's all <laughs> these things i wanted to do well, that's why people have midlife crises, you know, people, you know, get divorces, they do this, they do that. Like, they just, they freak out. They're like, oh my God, I missed something. Yeah. Like, because they're not, they weren't living an authentic life for themselves. Yeah. Right. I think that's um, very important for people to do. And I think, like, you should always take advice from other people, but, I mean, people are, people are, not perfect and unperfect people give unperfect unperfect advice so right be careful with the advice you take i mean greatest salt, right like the best thing you can do is just be respectful respectful to other people and do the things you want to do as far as it's possible but it's like i always I, like I quit high school because I thought it was boring. Uh, uh, my mom and dad was very supportive, and it's like I mean they they knew I kind of plowed my own path, mm. uh, and uh, I quit my job to pursue music. They're terrified but supportive, and um, so was I. What the what the fuck did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's very important to just like have faith in yourself and do the things you want to do. Well, I've been inspired since the first song of yours I've ever heard. 
on Film Music IO. Nice. Um, I don't re- I don't remember which one it was, but the first time I heard the first time I heard your stuff, it, it had metal metal guitars in it. Okay, nice. It absolutely cool. had metal guitars in it. <laughs> um, and I'm sure it was sent to me by Kevin. So, uh, or at least he pushed me. To, he's like, "Oh yeah, Alex, you should check out his stuff." His oh yeah. And then I'll go out there. I was that's like cool. going through going through your catalog, um, and this past year, um, this past year you've kind of consolidated into uh, a website that has your whole catalog available called Creator Chords. Can you talk to me a little bit about that and the inspiration behind that? Absolutely. So the I've always wanted a good website. Mm-hmm. Like I need a hub for all my projects. Um, but then again, not enough research. I didn't know who to contact. Like all I could do was Google like web developer and see a horrific price on that. <laughs> so that's a no go. Uh, but then I sold my house like 50 meters that way. Like one uh, C now I live in one a, I sold that house to a Hungarian couple who I became friends with really fast. And he's a full stack developer. Oh, excellent. So um, we started talking about it. And like, I've always been whining about my old website because it was shit. And um, yeah, he just said that, like, let's do this together. Let's split the sales 50 50 and make you a good website and yeah after eight years of wanting a new website i finally have one and i'm super happy about it it's very user-friendly it's easy for me to manage and uh yeah i just rebranded the whole thing because like all the things i made when i was 20 years old were they either had hard long names or yeah which is bad branding basically <laughs> just something i thought sounded cool at the time right so i asked chat gpt like can you give me a good title for for my domain and my my royalty free music business and it came up with creative chords and i immediately saw the logo in my head because two, mm. two c's like it, it doesn't get any easier so we made that, we made the website, and now we're working on improving it all the time. And I awesome. finally have a guy that knows what he's doing. I know what I want, but I don't know how to do any of it. Yeah. Yeah, that that aspect of the internet is is a misnomer to me, I'll yeah. tell you. It's just <laughs> I I went down the path of uh which we call it uh, computer science and engineering. <laughs> the first round of college in the nineties, and uh, it was during the era when they were still teaching machine language, Pascal, uh, C plus plus, yeah. that kind of thing. And none of those languages resonated with me. And <laughs> yeah, I just I saw myself in the future twenty thirty years later with you know pulling my hair out in front of a computer terminal with a bunch of code and the matrix spinning around my face yep. and i was like i this isn't who i am right. you know i i can't i can't do this so 
for like little projects, like maybe doing something with AI to create like a um, uh, a browser based video game or something like that. That's one thing. But to ever code in that full stack environment, I just it's just not me. So I've I've learned through age and time that <laughs> there's things you can do. Yeah. And then there's things that you outsource yeah. and play to your strengths, you know, yeah. play, play to what you know how to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's that goes with me as well. Like all the things I said about choosing your own path and that kind of stuff. It, it comes with a downside because you're going to explore a bunch of stuff you don't like doing. Yeah. So you're going to visit uh, a lot of different fields and you're going to dislike 95% of them. <laughs> uh, but music was kind of the one thing that stuck with me. Like I, yeah. I enjoyed that, and I still do. And uh, I, know, uh, I, I know a lot of things uh, at a mediocre level. I'm not very good at anything. <laughs> so, like, the whole... The, the world is... Still very much unexplored, but yeah, just like I'm a junkie for trying new things, and yeah, I, agreed. Same here, <laughs> but I dislike a lot of it, <laughs> and, then, and then I stopped doing it. So, yeah, I, I have to always remind myself that uh, whenever you see somebody online, especially in a similar space as ours and they're super successful you're seeing the 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 sum total mm -hmm. of all the effort prior to that yeah so the unfair thing that we do to ourselves as people is we make this comparison as to where we are yeah right now and where this person is currently and their followers yeah. their income their popularity their notoriety you know what i mean their popularity notoriety yeah and that is completely unfair you are two different people mm -hmm. right and with two different life paths and two different experience sets yeah and i think ultimately knowing what you want and then making those micro decisions and micro advances every day like that one percent yeah is that's that's just effort plus time equals what you want yeah. you know what i mean um and that's why typically once a year if not multiple times a year i'll come back to the catalog i'll come back to my schedule i'll come back to what i want mm -hmm. and that'll shift because i'll do crazy things like last year i'll just give you an example a couple examples last year i was struggling with okay how am i going to get this volume written so i started this this experiment January, I wrote 12, or I published 12 tunes. February, I published 24. March, I published 48. And then April, I was going to publish 96. And I'm like, oh, shit, I can't do that many in a month. I'm like, I can't do that. So I had to stop that. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Because I, I gave myself those milestones. Now, now my big writing thing is, okay, uh, Mondays and Fridays, my goal is to hit 15 ideas. I'm not going to... I'm not going to master anything. I'm not going to finalize anything. I'm not going to finish anything. It could be a bar. Mm -hmm. And it's just this idea. And I'm going to drop it. And then I'm going to stop. And I'm going to do something else. Right? I tend to average about 10 of those yeah. on those days. 
And but in a month, that could be anywhere from 80 to 120 ideas. That's, and over the course of a year, that's a lot of ideas. That's a very good, very good structure. And if I throw out half of them, I'll still be publishing anywhere from five to 600 songs. Yeah. Which may not be finished that same year, but they're, they're workable enough ideas yeah. that I can push them to the next level. So that over the next three years, I could have enough of a catalog that I feel like I'm in front of this AI-generated music and not behind it. Yep. <laughs> so that enough people know about our catalogs, you know? That's that's my big push. Like, I want to make sure that yourself, me, I, Kevin's already established in the in the zeitgeist. I mean, he was here before, he's here with, yep. he'll be here with and beyond yeah, yeah. the AI, you know? Um, and I know, I know you and I have talked a little bit about the AI stuff and the fact that people resonate with individuals more than they do a computer. So if, if you create a body of work and people resonate with it, they're going to follow you as a person, as a personality, because they just love, they just love what you do, you know? Um, I think that's a big part of the future as well, because the, the, the internet has not been been here long enough. Like people can mm-hmm. now talk to their favorite composers. You you haven't been able to do that for a long time. So right. I think that that part of the industry is actually gonna um, coexist with the AI for a long, long time mm. before it takes over completely. Yeah, I feel like we're, our group, the three of us, are very accessible people, right? Yeah. And we I think we will part- answer you. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's part and parcel for what we're doing, too, Yeah, is that what we do is that there's a lot of royalty-free music out there and people that have created, like, probably not the same volume, but there's people out there that have produced a few albums worth of, mm-hmm. on average, a few albums worth of music. Yeah. Uh, but to to be a resource and have a volume that's you know four figures and beyond you know a thousand plus songs mm-hmm. is kind of a rarity you know not a lot of people most people will put up that paywall and be like nope you can't have access to this until you give me my twenty bucks yeah. you know and that shies away ninety nine percent of the internet because what sixteen year old that's building a YouTube channel is going to shell out twenty dollars for every song. You know, it's I mean, literally impossible for a 16 year old to pay for <laughs> stuff on the internet. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause they don't have, you're right. You're right. They don't have, they don't have credit cards. They don't have, they, they would need another resource, yeah. you know? So they're going to find the easiest path, which yeah. is. Yeah. And that 16 year old might be the next PewDiePie. You never know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that's, that's another thing that. I measure my success based on the approval of my music. I know we have talked about this before, like, <laughs> like approval of your music versus monetary gain, like what feels better and like what, what, how do you measure your success? I, I think that's super inter- interesting talking to you about because I feel like we have to 
kind of the same mindset on that? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I would much rather see like a handful of my songs resonate to millions of people knowing that, oh, wow, like people really like these tunes and it resonates with them and they're enjoying them. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate joy. Yeah. I'll figure out the money part yeah. on the other side of it. Yeah. Or through some other means yeah. or both, you know? Right. The bottom line is that, you know, I couldn't have this conversation 20 years ago. I wasn't in a place that I could do that, exactly. you know? But now that I am, I feel wonderful knowing that, hey, there's these creators out there that are using this stuff. And it's so much fun to see how they interpret it and use it. Yeah. And and I get excited when I see, you know, I'll look up and I'll I'll have a video that shows up and my tune's in there. Your songs are in there. Mm-hmm. Kevin's stuff's in there. And I literally give gratitude for all of us. Yeah. I'm like, thank you so much for using all of our stuff. And then I've never had anybody be negative about that. No. Like, how could you? How could you? How Nobody could you? loses in this. <laughs> no. It's a win-win. It's I'm so not trying rare. to. Yeah, I'm not trying to take money out of your pocket. I'm literally asking you to just let people know where you got it. Yeah. You know. And uh, do you want to talk about the content idea thing? Because I have some updates on it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So t- give a little uh, con- uh, uh, primer or primer for my audience. So my last year was 90% uh, dealing with uh, false copyright claims, uh, people copywriting my music because it's not copyrighted. So, uh, well, on the internet at least. So um, I decided to sign my music up with the label that puts it into Content Idea, which is the automated... Uh, copyright system that YouTube uses amongst others and um, I was super scared to do this because most people are expecting people don't distinguish between royalty free and copyright free because Mm -hmm. nothing is really copyright free it is illegal to take copyright on something that you haven't made yourself Right. And ultimately, right. I have the project file, so I can prove that I made this before you copyrighted it, you know? So I've right. never been scared of it. I've never been scared of people trying to steal my music. But the problem is that when someone takes a song that I have made, gives it another title, uh, copyrights it, signs it up for a content idea, then all the people that use my music or use that song in their video will get a copyright claim from this guy's label. And that's because of the way that those sites, they use algorithms yeah. or so, um, song search algorithms that hear the similar exactly. song. So it right? basically scans the audio. And if it finds a match, then the system recognizes the title and who owns the copyright of that song right now. But I ended up signing up with a label that uh, was going to protect me from that. And... Um, this is where I realized how loyal people are. Mm-hmm. Because I thought that once I do this and people start getting claims from, from me <laughs> for a change, everyone's just going to leave. Like They're going to find right. some other royalty-free music composer to, to use stuff from. But I have been very active on updating everyone, following me on every single platform, what the process is going to be like. Right. And everyone has been so supportive. It's insane. Like people are like, 
saying good for you will like I got the claim on my video. I just saw your latest post. I know it's like a system false thing from the system. Mm -hmm. Um, But everyone has like encouraged me to put my music in content idea. People are like happy for me that it's now protected. And I've made sure that I've explained to them very thoroughly that this is to avoid them from getting copyright claims from other companies that I yeah. can't I can't even reach them, you know? Like these labels are impossible to reach. They're huge. They're like multi-billion dollar businesses that just automatically does a thing. And it's bad for everyone. It's bad for me because it's like someone else is getting uh money from placing ads on videos that my music is used in and the the creator is losing money because like yeah nobody wins in this case right right so um yeah i pulled the plug and i saw the statistics and after a couple of days it was fifty thousand active claims coming from my new label mm-hmm. and uh Patreons are covered. I mean, I'm able to solve this myself. I'm able to like lift the claims and and deal with the claims personally, which is good yeah. because I haven't been able to do that before. Uh, I'm able to whitelist channels, and I've asked everyone to like give me a link to your channel so I can put it in the whitelist. And um, and that means anytime they just so my audience knows that means anytime somebody uses your music, it, you're it's automatically yeah. Like you're, you're it's automatically your... listed. Yeah, you're like whether what, but that's whether you put the text in the video or not. Like in the past, if you had not made that, if you made matter. that mistake, if you're in the white list, okay. you're you're good. So okay. like, but I... ideally, you you th- what we want is we want attribution in the video yeah. in the description. Correct. So okay. the goal here is to like whitelist everyone that's a Patreon because they are always super loyal and they like, yeah, they're super awesome people. Um, Mm -hmm. so I have a system for them and I also have a system so that if my name is present in the video description, the system scans the description, finds my name and it doesn't place a claim. Uh, of course that didn't go exactly as planned. So a lot of people receive claims anyways, but we are able to remove those. Uh, and I also got a lot of emails from people saying like, Hey, I used your music back in the day on this video. And they usually have a bunch of views, like thousands and thousands. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't credit you. I fixed it now. Can you lift the claim? And it turns out like now that people are getting flagged, a lot of people are coming to me apologizing for using it under the wrong terms. Ah. So that's very interesting because now I can see like, my music is actually used way more than I thought. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then yeah. people are coming back to me now, apologizing. And of course, like I tell them what to do and how to get the claim removed and everything. But 50,000 claims in three days are sent out uh, across tens of thousands of videos, uh, a billion views in total. Holy cow. So it's like, oh my God, I'm so glad I have this dashboard now <laughs> to see all of these crazy numbers. Now that seems like a uh 
a number that's administratively impossible for somebody that's trying to be creative to manage. Like, so how are you, how are you working through that now? So the thing with this label is that they are very easy to reach. Um, and like they take 20% of all, all the money I make. Mm -hmm. So it's very important for them that I'm having a good time on this platform. So I can just reach out to them and ask questions all day long and they will respond with a smile. I think. <laughs> and um, so it's not very much for me to deal with. Uh, actually, it's uh, like these are just all the videos that are claimed. Okay. So these are the videos that are where my music is uh, used without attribution. Right. <laughs> because, right. Like the attributed videos don't get claims. And this is all on YouTube? All on YouTube. Right. Okay. So um, it's very nice having a having a system to protect you from that, uh, I have to say, even though the transition into the system was kind of, was a bumpy ride. Uh, yeah. A lot of false claims were sent out and a lot, of, I've been responding to probably 30 emails every single day. And... Um, but I like it's always been very important for me to to respond to people fast, make them happy, uh, do what I can to to make them feel safe to use it because I mean that's what we're here for. Right, right. Uh, but um, no, I, I'm I'm very surprised on how loyal people are and it made me made me less scared about the ai <laughs> to see that because like well it's encouraging people can it, just drop out anytime for but sure they don't. and and the internet's fickle right? right the internet's very fickle yeah and not that i'm not pissing on our audience here at all in in that statement but yeah. you know when, when you're trying to create content and you and you hit a wall and something's giving you pushback uh, you're going to take the path of least resistance, especially if you're trying to get out a body of work or mm -hmm. body of content as fast as possible. Yeah. Right. You're just, I'll, I'll just, I'll just pick something else. Okay. Boom. Yeah. Right. Um, knowing that your catalog is protected and safe and somebody else isn't out there trying to, trying to claim mm -hmm. rights to it or whatever. Um, that's the thing that sucks. We give it away. Yeah. We give it away. It's... And then somebody, some jerk out there takes advantage of the fact that we're doing that and tries to claim it as theirs. Yeah. I couldn't, I would never feel good about myself doing that. But I guess that just, that's just how speaks to are... who I am as a person. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> people are still calling old people to empty out their credit card and like scam is still a thing. Yeah. And uh, that's just the way it is. And, if you live in a world eating ramen out of the toilet, then you would probably do the same thing. That's true. But yeah, this it, is it, true. It feels it feels very good. It feels very good to have uh, a system that I can work with because I'm happy to work. I'm happy to work. Yeah, I like I can do a lot of administrative stuff. That's that's fine. But once it gets out of your control, that's when you get problems. Yeah, and specifically to some of these platforms where somebody else brought your material there, yeah. claiming it as theirs, yeah. 
And now they're pretty much this hands-off site that has algorithms that determine who can post their their creative works and not. Yeah. And you know, you don't really have a body per se that's that's Nothing. checking on anything. You know, I had the same problem with an advertising company that I used to promote some of my songs on Spotify, mm -hmm. you know, but guaranteed to be organic, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, this is whatever. And then all of a sudden Spotify starts like hammering me through DistroKid about some, some bots are like that. We've detected blah, 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 you know? Really? Well, the company, the company I was subscribed to must've changed their protocol at some point throughout the summer because I didn't start getting the hits hmm. until like September, September, October. And then I righted the situation. I immediately stopped the relationship. I stopped the promotions. You know, the second I found out about it, I actually had to unpublish three albums. Jesus Christ. Really? And then, and then republish them because they were pointing to the URLs of the individual songs in the promotions. So they said, the best thing you can do is unpublish and republish this. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, great. So now I got to do that. So I do all that. And then they go through another royalty review and they give me a second strike. I'm like, fuck. And I'm like, I'm like I did what you asked, you know? And there's nobody to call. There's nobody, like all these, all these places are automatic. Even spot, like if I had to, I'm sure I could find a number of corporate for Spotify or whatever yes. and but get to the difficult. bottom. But I, yeah, but how am I going to, like all that stuff's automated. Yeah. At this point, I think this year, there's like literally like hundreds of thousands of songs published to Spotify a day. Yeah. You know, through various things, it's whether very it's very easy, very easy. Yeah. Bandcamp or DistroKid yeah. or um, TuneCore, like any of those self publishing yeah. avenues. Like people, that's it, you know? Yeah. Um, so now it's like 2024 is this big thing. I'm like, okay, I'm getting back to the roots, advertising roots, and going, okay the various platforms what's the best way to get the music into the hands of the people I know need it, mm -hmm. i.e., you know, content creators, little budget, no budget kind of thing. That's, that's who I want to use it. I want, I, that's, that's my core audience. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a blockbuster movie from Hollywood. That's not my audience, you know, not at all. It's, it's the little guys. It's the little guys that want to, that are trying to get their feet wet yeah. and, you know, make their mark in the world. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's also very funny though, because like particularly this, this copyright issue where I've spent probably, I would say it's probably two or three years since I got my first like false copyright claim from someone stealing. Yeah. And I have been communicating this to people casually when they've asked me every single time I got an email, like uh, I got a claim on a video and I have to explain that this isn't coming from me. But after two or three years of doing that, everyone just knows. Hmm. It's like, I, I've tried to explain this to people for so many years. And now just everyone knows. I mean, I didn't right. tell everybody, but it's just like, how, how does this spread? Like, how, how does this message spread to everyone? 
and the 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 emails just change. Like I get, I probably have to respond with the exact same words to thirty emails every day. Right, right. But the request is changing. So the way I respond today to thirty people might not be the same way I respond to thirty people tomorrow. Right. So it's weird how people just kind of get it. <laughs> yeah. It's almost that collective consciousness shift, yeah. right? Like you've you've changed your methodology as to how the music is registered. And now instead of people coming at you claiming a problem that they assume or associate with you directly, now they understand that oh I missed a point. I missed a like a pro part of the process in my creative process of uploading a video, yep. and it's on me. So now the ownership has been is is back to the source, yeah. which is the person creating the video. Because yeah. ultimately, that's that's basically what we're trying to convey here with the situation that the path that you've chosen to take here yeah. with the content ID, which is, hey, it nothing's changed. It's you can still use my stuff for free with attribution. Uh, but that's the key is yep. that you've got to give attribution in the video or you're going to get flagged. Yep. Or if you're a Patreon, you're whitelisted and that's it. And then Super now people understand, Hey, okay. I never put his name yeah, or a reference to where the, I got the song in the video. I amend that situation. It's fixed. The ID goes away, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, like, ideally, I, I don't want to be this harsh. Like, I actually don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I haven't given a shit about this for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, if people credit yeah, me or there's, not. There's, it's like, there's money on the table yeah, for all of us, right? Exactly. So, like, yeah. if I lose, like, a video with a million views, then, okay, that sucks. But I was still featured in the video with a million views. Right. Even though I'm the only one who knows, who knows. but right. it's still kind of a cool thing. But I I didn't do this to like punish the people who didn't credit me in the video. I did this right. because like the workflow just came, became too much for me to deal with all the false claims. So right. So I I I pulled the plug on it, and now I have to like seem like this harsh strict <laughs> royal to free music composer who actually gives a shit but well the yeah. I ideally what's going to happen is you're going to have you're going to have a dust settling period right mm -hmm. and let's 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 make a guess um if i had to venture a guess based on how long you've been writing music and how long you've been uh releasing it and publishing it and making it available online we're probably looking at a one to three month period where you're going to get these strikes and a, a series of emails, right? Yeah. And then come April or so, a lot of this is going to fall off That's what because, because people are going to be in line with what their process is and what procedures need to be had. Yeah. And then you're going to, you're, you're going to live in a world of three different things, right? You're going to, you're going to be living in a world of, uh, new content creators that don't know all the details of the process that they need to approach, even though they've taken a piece of music from a site that explicitly <laughs> shows them what they're supposed to do, yeah. right? 
Um, you've got longstanding people that finally the algorithm is found and is dealing with that. Yeah. Or the third thing, which is <clears throat> it's going to identify somebody legitimately trying to steal your stuff. Yeah. Right. And it's going to eliminate that a hundred percent because that's the whole purpose behind this. And it, it'll just, you can't do that. Like it's, it's registered. Yeah. So, so yeah. nothing bad comes out of it for me personally. Right. Like I avoid people using it under the wrong terms. And I mean, that's fine. It's never been the goal to like punish those people at all, but as a part of the whole world as it's now then it's just a necessary step for me to take and we'll see how it goes but i think you're right i think yeah. you're right that's that's the three the upcoming three or four months is going to be a lot yeah. of uh emails but yeah that's fine i'm looking i'm looking forward to the resolution for you and it obviously is going to set a precedent for not only myself but anybody else that we get it. We encourage I'll going be, forward. I'll be the test, test subject. <laughs> if it works out, I'll let you know. If it doesn't, I'll also let you know. <laughs> well, we're here to help you if, <laughs> in any way, shape, or form, Alex. <laughs> well, it's been great catching up with you, Alex. Um, like I just too. i i appreciate you uh, being on Tim Cool Free Music Podcast today, and uh, I I uh, I hope. Uh, I hope this solves all of your administrative woes, and uh, I look I look forward to our healthy competition going forward here with our music production and I've onward already, and upward. I've, I've already lost, so but I, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. <laughs> I, I I think I think you're throwing in a towel way too early. I we'll, think we'll I think. See. We'll see. <laughs> Thanks again for joining me this week on the Tim Kulik Free Music Podcast. I really enjoyed interviewing Alex this week. I learned a lot about him that I didn't already know and knowing where he's going with his music and the struggles that he has, as well as the triumphs he's had as being an independent music composer and independent musician. I just, that camaraderie is incredible. It's incredible to share that with other people, other composers out there that, are willing to talk about their craft openly. Some people take their tools and their processes and everything else, and they keep them very, everything very close to the chest. They're afraid somebody's going to take it from them. It's a really interesting thing about this community of Creative Commons composers. All of us seem to be very open about our process, about what we're looking to do, and how we're looking to get our product into the hands of creators because, well, hell, we give it away up front. So, there is no paywall for us to protect and, you know, to have an issue with. We don't have a paywall up front. So as a community, we basically embrace one another and really want to, you know, prop each other up and support each other. So bravo to that. Bravo to the amazing, amazing work that and body of work that Alex has. And I can't wait to hear some of the new stuff that he has coming out for 2024. Again, thank you all for stopping in, and we'll see you next time on the Tim Kulig Free Music Podcast. Bye.